and welcome back to Black Oak Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We are back for the second episode of CW's 4400. All things are possible. This episode was written by Ariana Jackson, directed by Janice Cook. Again, this episode is 7.8 out of 10, not as strong as the pilot, unfortunately. However, there are some interesting developments. There are just some cliche things that I think they need to just go ahead and disregard. We don't always need to make everything a statement, just make a good show, right? So let's go ahead and jump into this recap. We start with Reverend Johnson. We get his backstory this week. He is asking the Lord for a sign of his purpose as each resident uh, continues to be interrogated. Shanice continues to press the fact that this is illegal while Mildred seeing Keisha and Jarrell fight spills coffee on him instead of her because Keisha continues to be the worst. Seriously, for someone that they are trying to make into a protagonist that is trying to help this group of people, she is so antagonistic and I do not understand why. She should be the most empathetic to the situation and yet from no authoritative figure above her, it would seem she is a very, very aggressive against Shanice. Secondly, they're not doing some very simple things that would help them out. Oh yeah, I'm going to film them tonight so we can figure out what's going on. Why can't you just film them while they're in the hotel? She is convinced that the impossible can't be possible when it felt last episode as if it was on the table and her superiors were on board with that idea. And now this episode... She seems to huff every time someone mentions they have time traveled. Ugh, there's no such thing. Yeah, it's much more believable but that this is some elaborate prank that displaced people in time that have no idea what happened to them because... She doesn't comprehend that maybe it's not something within their control. They must have done something. Someone must have done something to them. I think that Hayden can hear voices on a sidebar. Maybe because he said someone told him that about Manny. And she didn't tell Jarrell about it. So maybe he's telepathic. But either way, after such an odd moment in which he would never know who Manny is... You just, her, her disconnect with everything is rather annoying. And if I'm being thoroughly honest, so is Jarrell and even like, I like Satora only because, is that her name? Maybe I wrote it down somewhere because she seems to have like, she's quirky, which is a weird mix into the thing, but she's the only one out of the three that has any grasp of Okay, doesn't matter how, but these are the facts. <laughs> I don't know why someone leaking news to the press about their illegal shit is somehow punishable, considering they are the ones that are the victims here. But apparently these people are not to be treated like victims. And I really thought this hotel thing was going to be temporary. And now that I know that it's not, or at least it feels as if it's not, I am rather perplexed that the military is not involved and not these mall cops. Hey, they're not very threatening and I don't know why everyone just doesn't take into account that there are way more of them than they are of you and I'm pretty sure you guys all have batons. So I would certainly take that into account before I just go around deciding I need to be the worst kind of asshole to people because I do not get it. And that continues to be, I think, a failure on the show's part because they're trying to show a certain temperament. But it, it's not very well juxtaposed. It's it's um, cringeworthy if I'm being completely honest. Um, I don't know why Keisha's attitude is always somewhere up her own ass. And I thought we moved past this, but apparently not. Keisha's attitude is really also grating on my nerves 
Have you tried to at least be understanding? Give them the benefit of the doubt? I don't know. Instead of, I mean, I'm with Jarrell. Why is this your only tactic to attack people? And she definitely got a bone to pick with Keisha. It's not escaping my notice that she is targeting the one that knows the law the best. And why you keep saying we're not cooperating when you're holding us hostage and removing all amenities because you need to understand. It's almost as if fucking nothing makes any sense. In a flashback, we see that Reverend Johnson has a pregnant side chick girlfriend named Darlene, whom he's hiding from his very religious family. In the present, Soraya, that's her name, is the new tech they try to dismiss because she watches reality TV. Never mind, she clearly has degrees that got her past the checklist to get into this place. So why Keisha acting like that uh, she wouldn't be an expert? She's like, yeah, I went to Quantico and MIT too, so I didn't know I needed to lead with that. But there's my credentials. Smarter than your ass. It takes her two seconds to deduce what these two idiots can't seem to grasp. Or at least one grasp and the other is just kind of... I'm not really sure what Jarrell is doing. Something supernatural has occurred. And it's arrogant to assume something doesn't exist because we can't make it so. Or we can't explain it or have the tools to recreate it. She knows that the people have time traveled against their will. And that Shanice took an opportunity to escape but was not planning on escaping. I'm not sure why Soraya would be into Keisha because there's nothing I can see that is attractive in her personality at this moment. So I was not on the whole, ooh, is she single? Like, you were impressed? Because Keisha can't wrap her head around anything, she mainly goes back to trying to get info out of Shanice that doesn't exist because if I think it hard enough it'll come true okay so she decides to go back to logan and ask if he could talk to her mariah is listening to the whole entire conversation on her phone because she had tapped into the security footage shit she probably leaked it but maybe not we all know it was that guard she can't get through to her maybe because she acts like hostile accusatory government agent <laughs> and asked him to speak with her instead which he at first declines but then agrees to do so back at the hotel claudette wants Ladonna to break her finger in an effort to test her abilities so that she can eventually escape and then try to help everyone else out why is that everyone's goal i want to escape but also help everyone <laughs> and if i could just do that just get out on my own. I can, I will totally come back for you guys. LaDonna isn't with it until Claudette baits her by calling her a scaredy cat. Pray tell, what's a skank? <laughs> that was the funniest episode when she said she uh, took a stiletto to a skank's face. She ends up breaking her finger and although it causes pain and she yelps enough for more people to look around and see what's going on. It heals very quickly. An alarm sounds off and guard douche somehow still gets to be the person with lines. And quite frankly, I'm like, if I was Shanice in that moment, like, you don't get what? What you gonna say? You feeling froggy? Let's leave, motherfucker. How about we cause some ruckus? Get the media attention this story should be getting more of. And considering that two people know where <laughs> this place is they need to tell more people about like i'm very unclear on the outside world's um whole take on things and i understand that they probably have some covid restrictions with filming but i do think that an aspect of the storyline should be focusing on the reaction of the people or the government as they keep talking about I don't feel like they're the government in this building. Like, they should be at a military facility, not a hotel room. Or there should be more people walking around looking like military personnel. And that's what I'm, that's what's lacking 
and making it feel as if they're oppressed prisoners, even though they're saying it and they can't go anywhere and their tender rights are being taken away. You know, like snack food, which is just ridiculous. Like some of it is is beyond a prison. <laughs> I mean, it's they're they're just completely escaping the government being involved in this, or at least that side of the government. It just feels very mediocre, is where I'm getting at with where they're being held, who is actually patrolling around them. The mall cops just don't work for me. They don't feel threatening. They feel like someone who really is angry they never got to pass into an actual academy for cops. And thus, it's taking this moment of authority that they have, which they shouldn't, to lord it over these people that have absolutely done nothing wrong. And furthermore, there's no oversight, which is beyond crazy for me, considering they made mention in this episode that there are cameras in which Keisha wanted to escape the the uh, the scrutiny. So if you're scrutinizing motherfuckers, why aren't y'all just watching? If you think they're hiding something, then just wait and see how they react when you're not around. <laughs> Logan is brought in to talk to Shanice. Oh, back to that guard. I would have just leapt on him. I'm like, you have to fuck me up. <laughs> I'm about to make a fucking case. Especially if I was Shanice. Because I know at least I made contact with my family. I bet you if Shanice had that fucking uh, scar on her face, Logan would be... I mean, he a white man too. You need to use that privilege, girl. You need to use it. <laughs> <laughs> try to get your family back yeah also try to turn him out so he can get the uh, attention to get us released um so yeah Lo logan is then brought in to talk to shanice the two have a tender moment before reality comes crashing down as she can't answer for why she was gone for 16 years and worse the idea that she may disappear again which are all valid reasons for not bringing their daughter into this just yet but there's a moment also about her postpartum depression about the fact that she didn't come to him even though he had apparently rented out this cabin just so she would have you know what the the space she needed for the baby and yet it's a i can understand though when you're in that moment of postpartum you feel weak you feel like something's wrong with you you're the the deficient in that moment and so there's shame attached to that. And of course, the man's just going to be thinking, you know, you could have shared that with me. I'm sad you didn't share that with me because I could have helped with that. She asks if he and won't even uh, say her name. <laughs> and you have to think in her mind, like, this is my husband two weeks ago. However much time has passed. I'm not about to pretend he ain't my husband to some other heifer. He's been married for nine years. Like, I'm not ready to wrap my head around that because I'm not letting you go. But he says he didn't have any other children indicating something. Basically, he gonna end up have, catching them feelings once again. He chokes up a bit and then leaves with her heartbroken as her life with him, as I stated earlier, was just last week. Douche continues to speak. We were talking about, I don't even know who he is. Don't care to know who, what, what their name they gave him. Reverend Johnson wants to know what LaDonna, Claudette, and the doc are up to. LaDonna lies and says fashion and doctor stuff before skipping away. <laughs> Everyone has heard about him trying to get them to Belle Isle, thinking that will reverse what happened to them. She's from 2015. I'm glad they clarified that to me. Hayden finds a friend who has his favorite cereal bar stashed away. That's Noah. Johnson then goes to Keisha, who is far more receptive to his conversation than any others, despite her thinking Belle Isle is a selfish endeavor because he says he has to pick something up that he lost there. As people will think this will reverse things, and he points out hope and a chance uh, points out that it's good to have hope and a chance to leave the prison get some fresh air that will be enough of a reason since the government doesn't have deadly shit on them 
and despite the fact that they keep bringing it up they just keep saying well we don't give a fuck flashback despite being good at speaking in his congregation johnson has a crisis of faith seeing as money tends to go to the preacher and his family then to godly things or helping out the community the dad states his very pricey jewelry is ordained and in jesus's name and thus he can sow his oats all he wants but he will inherit the church and will need a woman of good family to be by his side when he does that logan gets home with mariah upset that he didn't talk to her about going to see her mother and she wants to get involved and figure out what happened to her mom but logan declines noah mildred and hayden find the snacks locked up which is ridiculous why would you need to lock up the snacks in this type of room that's not a kitchen or cupboard (laughs) mildred is able to unlock the cage with noah being like the fuck but i'm i'm down with it they all smash until a guard walks in but it's the nice guard so he only chastises them until noah discovers if he sings he can mesmerize people he sung about snacks thus they started eating or the guards started eating doc and Shanice, that is the silliest power i'm just gonna throw that out there (laughs) someone really thought that was a great idea and it's not doc and Shanice discuss her insecurities about possibly or about the possibility of getting her family back and the fact that everyone he may know or love is dead because it's 2021 and he's from like i don't even know they also think rev's idea isn't the worst one to go back to bell isle doc is starting to uh see her coming to him to talk to to see someone you know that's just a safe person i don't know he seems like he might got some skeletons in his closet (laughs) he got some insta feelings and that's weird claudette begins to sing we shall not be moved when the guards are putting them or lining them up for a count and it all turned very negro spiritual we shall overcome i was like girl we is not picking cotton right now i feel you (laughs) but i also kind of like i would just roll my eyes and just there's a part of me that thinks y'all press on this moment you pressing harder than you (laughs) like bitch you counting me i'm gonna sit here roll my eyes i'm gonna uh play with my nails i'm gonna count i'm gonna talk to whatever i'm not about to give this person who is so ready to jump at anything a reason because you just know that's what he's wanting to do so don't indulge him flashback once again rev's baby mama thinks he's too attracted to the influence power and money of leading a congregation that he won't choose and that he won't choose her when the time comes you're gonna be just like your daddy he begins to sing with the rest of them in the present conflicted as guard douche asserts his authority by attacking a child noah when he wanted to slap call dead oh hell no so all those guards are completely okay with this one guy being a complete asshole to people who did absolutely nothing wrong and you know this because you haven't had any presentation that they have broken the law all they doing is singing it's actually in tune (laughs) and he just blatantly attacked this kid and everyone is perfectly fine with it the cameras don't work around here at all someone thought this um what the other guy look like he's 50 years old you look like he's 12 this annoys me because it's it's um it's overly done it's overly done just it's annoying 
Keisha can't monitor how these people are being treated. Ain't that part of your job? That would be the smart play is to continue to observe. But no, I have to continue to watch this very sloppy guard run around. Apparently her girlfriend is somewhere else. <laughs> Rev checks on Noah who almost lets loose his ability. But instead admits to wanting to go back to Belle Isle to reverse things. As he's clearly bruised bad and nobody cares or is trying to help them. The government is not at all like they're abusing them for no fucking reason. All those witnesses to what happened and I can't believe Keisha actually didn't take any action against, I don't know, police brutality because that's not a thing. Since Rev has the ear of, you know, Keisha, you would think he would go up to her and be like, look, your guards are fucking abusing people. And are you going to do something about that as a black woman? Um, he does admit to Noah that he cannot reverse things. Or he doesn't think it's going to reverse things. We get another flashback of his father responding to his son's wish to have a family. And go away with his boo thing. His father gives him a very disparaging speech about how they're supposed to be preachers versus who uh, he's become as a preacher, which is full of hypocrisy that he absolutely denies by using a whole bunch of guilt <laughs> and manipulation with his own speech about how he's supposed to serve. But it seems to be he only serves himself. Presently reflecting on this, he decides this is his role and asks Noah about his secrets, what's being kept from him because he believes he is now supposed to lead this group. Keisha goes to see Hayden, who does not want to talk to her anymore, wants to know about his friend, and then says, well, when people misbehave, you know, that's when things happen. And I'm like, you didn't even ask no fucking questions. So Hayden is like, bitch, I'm tired of you. I'm tired of this treatment. I'm tired of this lack of freedom. I don't care if you made this food. I don't want to talk to you. You're not my friend. She decides to meet Jarrell, who clocked out early to discuss. I mean, he, he ain't never around, is he? To discuss taking the group to Belle Isle, like a secret mission of some of them going out. Still completely off the idea of time travel despite all the evidence to the contrary. To touch back in with Jarrell's story about his uh, brother Manny. He shows Keisha a clock game him and Manny used to play. I don't know anyone who would play this game. And then later on at the end of the episode when they showed the clock wouldn't it have made more sense for him to put the next notch on there? While they're loading up for the bus, Keisha tries to make headway with Hayden once again. Like, look, I heard you. And it's completely ignored as he converses with Mildred about the fact that he's not going because he has to stay there. Nothing happens when they get to Belle Isle, except Rev does find his father's ring that he was going to give to Darlene. Keisha has tracked down both woman and the son that he has. But he tells her he has to let them go because his true calling is becoming a pain in her ass, which he starts by leading a prayer. Except it is no prayer but a call to arms as he has Noah sing to put the guards to sleep, which Keisha gon' see or might not see since her camera went dead. <laughs> but I have a feeling Soraya's gonna find something. Mildred lifts him up and he expresses that he believes they must have been thrown into the uh, thrown forward in time for a reason with special gifts from the Lord and that he was made to lead them. While Doc and even LaDonna is impressed as he explains, you know, Mildred is doing what like, I thought he had the ability to fly, but no, Mildred did that. She has, uh, she's got, she's quite powerful. And he points out, like, hey, other people have gifts around here, even though no one else stepped forward, and Claudette sure shit did not, uh, give up what's going on with her, even though I'm sure Rev is gonna try to recruit her next episode. Um, 
Claudette is disappointed. She wasn't the one people were going to turn to. And she does not at all trust that kind of power in Johnson's hands once he has people eating out of them. And you see that it's not just Claudette cautious, but Shanice as well. Satora comes in to join Keisha and Jarrell because they just was like everyone went to sleep. Everyone got on the bus. No one was missing. There were no incidents. So there must have been some no field that put everybody to sleep. And for once, Keisha was right. Like, that don't fucking make no sense. We were put to sleep. <laughs> then she thinks she's going to find out on her little spy cam. Except, too bad. It goes down when she does. But Sortoria, Sortora offers to take a look at the footage and try to see what else she can retract since she is read in when she expresses that she doesn't like how these people are treated that they haven't committed any crimes that they're being held against their will this doesn't feel right that's what Keisha said last episode but this whole entire episode she hasn't felt that way at all so I'm rather surprised that she's in the group I would think her Jarrell and Satoru would make better friends. Flashback once again with the good old Rev after he retrieved his father's ring that he was going to give away. We learned that he wanted to be free from becoming someone he didn't want to be by meeting with uh, Darlene and choosing never to wear the ring but sell it so that they can have a comfortable life together. But that is when he was taken when he went to the bathroom and in the current time, he puts the ring on, and I think that spells trouble, but of what kind? Doc walks back to his, uh, well, he walks Shanice to her room, and he is very excited. He is definitely drinking the Kool-Aid of the Reverend. We're here. We're special. We have each other. And it's at this point, I'm like, oh, I think he's developing a thing for Shanice. And I think Shanice found out at the same time I did. And she had that moment like, I know you heard me talking about how I want my family back. And also, no. <laughs> I'm not trying to dog the man, but he is not anyone's prize. And her husband ain't that cute at all either, but shit. <laughs> oh, I don't know how he decided to take that, though. And I mean, he really ran with it. She's like, I'm going to be nice and touch your arm like thanks in a friendly way so you know you've been friend-zoned. But I don't think he, he fully... I don't know. I'll trust him. <laughs> he drank the Kool-Aid too easily. Shanice is then greeted by her daughter when she gets into her bedroom. How the fuck did she get in? And then can she lead everyone out? Like, hey, I need you to get this information to Channel 6 News. <laughs> I will get you all the photos you need to know. You know the address. Just release the details. Jarrell, at the end of the episode, sees the game on the wall that he and Manny used to play. I'm sure this has something to do with Hayden, who uh, must or had to stay behind. But what does it mean? Time will tell. Because <laughs> the 4400 are not just in this building. Remember, they're all over the place. I like most of the core group that we're following. It's just the the other things I'm not too fond of. You know, I'm not too fond of just where they're being held. I understand they probably had to use this hotel room. It, 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 it's not even so much the hotel room. If it would become more of a government looking operation, then I can immerse myself in what they're feeling. This constant need of... You're keeping me hostage. You're keeping me prisoner. You're not letting me go. Because I would think if something weird happened to me, while I, I would want to get back to my family, I also would want to know what the fuck happened to me. <laughs> and I'd be more accessible to allowing the government to find out if it was in a more... Um, like, they're, they're not being... They're being treated hostile, but... It seems from a petty perspective versus the government being like, holy shit, don't know how you people like the enormity of the situation is not weighing on the story arc, which kind of takes away the intensity. 
but I do like the core people. I continue to like getting to know them a little bit better. And hopefully we will start to get some, a little bit more on the, you know, learning about the powers. That's fine. But I need them to get the fuck out of this building pretty soon. Or I need them to go to a different location. Or I need the location to become more intense <laughs> to warrant the, the emotions that you're trying to elicit from the audience. So that is my thoughts on this week's episode. But I'm not the only one who's got feelings. So let's go ahead and hop into the mailbag. Christina, it's me, Shy. I am here to give my thoughts and feelings on a new series that you started, 4400. Yeah, I was um, a little late coming to the party on this one. Um, as you know, my life has been a bit hectic lately, and so I didn't get to watch the first episode until this past Monday, um, right before the second episode came out. So I watched episode one Monday and episode two Tuesday because as you know I have to stream it you watch it on an app because I don't have cable anymore and um, yeah so uh, I really thoroughly enjoyed both episodes um, as you know I've talked about I didn't watch the original series matter of fact I didn't even know that there was an original series <laughs> Um, that this was a reboot of that until, um, I, yeah, I think yeah, Mimi mentioned it. So, yeah, I'm not very, I wasn't aware at all. And um, like I was saying offline, um, I think it was just, it's just, there was just a period of time in my life when I was in the military as a single parent traveling a lot that I just didn't watch a lot of television because it was so much going on and the television I did watch was probably more kid focused type, uh, type TV. I would sit down and watch TV with the kids and things of that nature. I mean, that's how I got into The Flash is from sitting with uh, my kiddos and watching it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how my life was for a while is you know, watching TV with them. And so I did not get into a lot of shows um, when I did watch TV. Um, and the ones I did were like crime oriented. And so I'm playing catch up here. I'm playing catch up here, people. But I'm enjoying it. You know, you guys are introducing me to these new uh, shows, especially sci-fi stuff, because that is my first love. I kind of got away from that for a little bit in my life. And so I'm going, I'm coming back to it, coming full circle, because that was a big part of my childhood is sci-fi and the superhero genre. So, um, and mystery, because I was big into the Nancy Drew mysteries and, you know, those books, um, stuff like that. So, very, very happy to get back into it and to just binge watch things that came out and I just get to, you know, go back and watch it all without having to worry about week to week or whatever the case may be. Another one that I'm really wanting to get into is Rick and Morty. Because um, uh, I know you talked about it a few times, Christina. And so very excited to watch those things. As for this show, um... Yeah, like I said, I enjoyed the first two episodes. I'm really liking all the melanin in it, the blacks people. And uh, <laughs> don't know why I said it like that, but whatever. Um, but no, the device, the diverse cast, uh, I like that. I mean, and that's one of the things that as I've gotten older, I'm looking for more and more is you know representation and shows that have good representation um that that intrigues me more than anything else now and so yeah 
um, very excited to see that for this one. Um, like I said, I don't know about the original, so I don't know if these characters are based off those characters. And I don't know if this is based off a book or anything like that. So I'm going in, you know, my usual MO. I'm going in blind, uh, not knowing much of anything <laughs> about this show or the characters. So I'm just going to go with it. So, but, and unfortunately, I didn't write any notes per usual. So I am going to not remember characters' names at this point. So I'll reference them the best way I can. Um, So we got the lawyer and her husband and daughter. Um, Then we got the, the, as the main members so far that I've seen, the reverend. Then we got the doctor and the, the little girl, the boy. And then we got the preacher's wife. Um, so, and then the one that can sing people to sleep. So those are the ones that you've seen so far. So I'm very excited to know and learn what is really going on. Like, you know, this abduction that they, that took place. Why, why these particular people were plucked from different moments in time. And I know that, um, Sasha was saying that this was like, you know along the lines of manifest and I did watch a couple of episodes of that in the first season but I mean the difference with that is that this was you know a particular group of people on a plane um so and then but in in this situation it's different people throughout time um that show up in the present um so that makes it even more intriguing to me because it's like, what was what was it about these people? Um, so far, the similarities that I've seen from the backstories is that um, they were going through a struggle. I guess I don't know because I mean, because just like the the husband, he thought the wife because she had that note still in the car, so she so he thought that she dipped. And so, and I'm sure that was the same thing for the Reverend, the girl that he got pregnant, probably thought that he, you know, changed his mind and left. But I don't know. I mean, again, we don't know all the backstories for all the characters. So it might not have anything to do with that whatsoever. Um, So I'm looking forward to seeing those backstories. And again, maybe there is a link with that that is not what i just mentioned is something completely different but it has to be because you know why you know there's it's got to be i'm thinking there's got to be a reason why um these 4400 were chosen and then they each got different powers and what these these what the what the can't even speak what do these powers mean why do these particular people have these particular powers what do they represent why did they get chosen to have them um so that's different and that's different from what i understand unless in manifest they ended up getting powers i don't know because i only watched the first two episodes um but yeah everyone in manifest came from the same time period they were on the plane blah 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 but it was a you know time they came back to the future um but yeah it's very i'm very curious i'm very curious about how once they learn that you know, just like the husband um, learns that this wasn't done from their own accord. You know, like they were abducted. There's, she didn't just leave. It wasn't a choice of hers. How this affects, you know, the relationships of the people that they left behind. How does that all work out? What would the dynamics be? Like we saw in the second episode, the, the you know, the woman's daughter came out to because she wants to see her mom. She wants to get to know her mom, especially now that she know that her mom just didn't leave of, of her own accord. So that changes things, you know. So I'm very it'll be very interesting. And just like the reverend and his son, he's 30 years old now. I'm sure he thought that he was abandoned by his father, too. So I wonder if he'll ever find out about that and what does that all mean and then of course you got the preacher's wife who has this distrust of the reverend i wonder if that's gonna go you know mean anything or is this just her bias and that she'll be fine you know because of her experiences because she's been a preacher's wife and 
you know, experienced apparently some not so great stuff in her marriage. Um, so there's some distrust there. Are we supposed to not trust this reverend or, you know, so it's just so many questions and I'm very curious about everyone else's powers, what they all mean, why that, you know, why the kid, the black kid was quiet, wasn't talking. And then now he knows all this stuff about people. Um, so just, and then what's his name? Jarrell. So I remember that Jarrell, Manny, the miss the, his missing brother. So there's the mystery of that. Like, what does that all mean? What is a tie in for that? Um, of course, we got the extra as hell cop or security guard, which I'm like, why the hell is they allowing him to stay there? Um, just to, I guess, cause some drama. Because I'm like, dude needs to get, he needs to get gone because he was getting on my nerves. Anyway, I'm at my time limit. So until next time, much love, peace, and Black Girl Magic. Queen of the Couch. Shot. That was Queen Chai with her thoughts on the episode. Yeah, this is uh, about, you know, 20 questions <laughs> per episode and no answers. So what does it all mean? I think you said what connects them. I think that's a good question. And what is their connection to each other? Uh, I think those will, that is the part that I'm waiting to get a little bit more exposition on. It's nice to get everyone's backstory, but I also feel that the present is a little floundering just a bit because the things that are happening in the present aren't necessarily as, uh, as exciting as even getting to know the characters. So I'm hoping that we do get a little bit more, uh, suspense on the outside for this particular group and we know that there's other groups so there'd be it'd be nice to get some uh assertion of what's going on you know across the board and not just at one location from what i understand this reboot is not based on any of the original characters thus far i have never watched manifest because after loss no more planes for me but uh (laughs) I don't know. Like I, I was in the chat too and saw that connection. I'm like, yeah, I never watched Manifest, so I, I don't know if they have powers in that or not. But it never looked that interesting to me. <laughs> so I don't, I, I don't know if I could compare that. But I did really like the first original. Um, I know I watched the whole thing through. I thought I didn't, but I actually think I did. And it's on Netflix, I believe. So, uh, if not Hulu, one or the other that they have the whole thing on. Oh, now my sister wants to call me. Well, I don't have your baby anymore, so we'll talk about that on the Jones Chronicles. Uh, (laughs) So, those are um, my takeaways, but I'm glad that you're really enjoying the series thus far. And if it does end up doing any nods to the original unfortunately it's been so long since i've watched it i probably won't even like unless they do something really obvious that i remember (laughs) i probably won't remember it and that is shy with her thoughts on the episode we do have mimi with her feedback so let's see how she felt about the second installment what up, Stina? It's Mimi. This is my feedback for 4400 Season 1, Episode 2. Um, I just want to start this off by saying that, yes, I did enjoy the episode. It was very entertaining. But I just want you to understand, and I'm just full disclosure, if this show turns into kind of like what Black Lightning did, I'm not watching it anymore. I don't want to act like race isn't going to be something that we talk about. Um, that was one of the things that I enjoyed about The Flash. Like, when Eric took over, he did mention it. Like, it was something before that I feel like they never even acknowledged that <laughs> Barry was raised by a black family, even though he's a white man in America. That is important, yes, but it's not the center focus. And that's why I stopped watching Black Lightning. I want to see a superhero be a superhero and not be a black superhero. Yes, I know that these characters are black. 
yes i know that they're in america several of them are from a different time period when black people weren't even allowed to sit in the same room with white people and eat food we had different water fountains we had different entrances there were certain clubs famous musicians couldn't even play in because they were only an all-whites club i get that and i don't feel like it's not something they shouldn't point out but let me tell you when they started singing that negro spiritual i almost fucking threw my remote at the tv like i am not about to watch a show like this i i don't care how good it is it's a reason all these new slavery movies i haven't seen i never seen danjago i never seen 12 years of slave or whatever the hell it's called I don't watch stuff like that. The New Roots. I watched the first one because my mama made me. Or Queen. Remember that movie? With, uh, it had uh, Jasmine Guy in it. And it had uh, Raven Simone. And she was a little mixed girl. But she could pass for white. My mama made me watch shit like that. I don't, I don't want to. I know we were slaves. I know the history. And the more I find out, the more fucking awful it is. So I'm not saying it's not important because it definitely shaped how we are seen in America now. But when I watch a superhero show, I don't want to watch a superhero show about a black superhero. I want to watch a show about a superhero that just happens to be black. And that's what I thought this was. Like, I love supernatural stuff and I want to see us in things. I want to see us have superpowers. I want to see us be X-Men. I don't want to see us be black X-Men. Like us being black shouldn't be the center focus of the show and if that's what they plan on doing i don't want to watch that and i tried to give black lightning you know the benefit of the doubt especially after the first season but even in season two it was just a constant constant thing where they focused on and i and i just i couldn't do it and i and i understand what they're they were trying to do and it was it worked out for four years because people watched it but i was not one of them I I just I can't do it and I'm not gonna um, one of the things that I was hoping they didn't do because when a show is all black that's something that they tend to focus on um, we can't just have a, a cast where like in this situation um, I, I feel like they could have shown oppression but not focus on blackness you know what I'm saying because they are oppressing these people and they're all different races, they're all different genders, um, they're all from different time periods, but it doesn't have to be a black thing, and I'm just hoping that's not what it does, um, but I guess this episode, we did, we definitely did find out some things, um, the Reverend, I, I honestly got the Bobby Brown vibe from him, so I never thought he was gonna be, like, this, like, you know, sin free i guess we can go with <laughs> i knew he was gonna have his issues um one of the reasons i don't i don't go to church and i always tell people like i'm not religious i am spiritual and and i believe that there's something out there what it is i don't know and i'm not gonna be arrogant enough to believe that you know that jesus christ is our savior and people that are in other religions are wrong like I feel like you can believe in something without tearing down other people's beliefs. Right now, I'm actually in a Catholic hospital. I'm not Catholic. There's a lot of things about Catholic religion that I don't agree with. Um, some of the, our history that I've seen from like just random facts started with Catholic uh, religion and they use religion in a very awful way and that tends to be what what people do even nowadays like that one reverend uh, joel whatever is this, uh, i don't remember last name starts with an o whatever and he has like that he has drives a freaking lamborghini and he has like a billion dollar home and some stuff like that and he wouldn't let people win uh like he wouldn't open up his church for people um, when they were, you know, not having anywhere to stay because they got evicted because of the pandemic and all that stuff. But you're supposed to be a religious man and you're driving a Lamborghini. I don't think people that, you know, have certain jobs should be that wealthy. Something just don't seem right here. And, <laughs> and the fact that um, the dudes, what's, I, can't, I, I can't remember his name, but the fact that that dude's dad was like, 
you know, they give us this and it was ordained and we're, you know, we do this for that. Like if you can sit here and spew this shit out of your mouth as much as you want, so much that you believe yourself, but it's not going to make that shit true. (laughs) And there's no reason that you should own a ring that is worth more than everybody in your church making a year. Like there's no reason they are giving you money and giving you 10% for what? What do you do for them that they can't do for themselves? Like, and that's the thing I honestly never understood about religion. People go to their church, you're expected to give the church 10% of your income. Why? Why? (laughs) And I, and I sit here and look at people like my little brother who are so religious and you're shitty. My stepfather, same. They're the reason that I don't believe in church because I would go there. They would force us to go there Sunday and I would look at you and your fake ass ways and see that you are supposed to be so religious because you're hooping and hollering, screaming, praise Jesus, hallelujah, preach it. And you're trash like that. So you're going to heaven because you go to church and you give 10 percent. That's should That's bullshit. And I shouldn't my my income shouldn't be the reason that you have money. You should, your income should be just as I feel like your, your income as a preacher and owning a church should reflect the people that go there. If they're, you know, middle-class people, then you should be middle-class. But if they're all middle-class or below middle-class and you are making seven figures, that shit ain't right. It's not. And it's not, and it's unfair. Like, what do you, what, you shouldn't be making that much money. Not saying they shouldn't give it to you. If you using it the right way, the community around you should be the ones that are, are uh, profiting from that money. Not you. You shouldn't be the one receiving so much wealth. It should be the community. And that's the part a lot of people that own churches don't do. Not saying that they're all like that, but I can say the most of the ones I've ever been to when I was younger, the preacher owned a nice Cadillac. And we were pretty busted in our minivan. So just going to put that out there. Um, I do like the dynamic between the white girl and the little black boy. And I cannot remember anybody's name. And I must start writing stuff down so maybe I can remember. But when you said cloak and dagger, I was like, oh, my God, yes. I'm starting to think maybe he can read people's minds. And I almost feel like he can put his thoughts in people's minds because it seemed like him and the little girl were talking back and forth when they were in that snack room and I for the life of me couldn't understand why they didn't grab those boxes and fucking leave like why you got to sit there and eat it right there y'all don't know shit and then the power making them sing and then do stuff that was a pretty clever thing I don't know how she realized that's what he was doing (laughs) I just thought that guard was stupid (laughs) and the, the black girl detective the lesbian one she really gets on my fucking nerve. She's so fucking annoying. She was like, I heard it was an incident with the guards. An incident? They just there to protect it. Are you hearing yourself? Like, I I am all about, like, following rules and shit like that. But when you talk about there's an incident, who put this motherfucker in charge? There is a whole bunch of other cops behind him that look way older than him. Which my assumption would be they've had more years of experience. Who put this young asshole in charge is my question. And why are y'all just allowing it? Like, there ain't no there ain't no hierarchy. Ain't nobody important. I understand your girlfriend went somewhere to do some shit. But I know she's not the only person in charge. It has to be a fucking hierarchy. And why he get to make the fucking rules? And why are all of a sudden they being treated like they're in a prison? But you're saying they're not in a prison. But you're treating them like they're in a prison. Even take away their snacks. Like, it sounds like you're fucking treating them like prisoners. Okay, one escape. But they, you guys aren't being held. You're not prisoners. Oh, it sure looks like it. You even took their clothes and made them all put sweatpants and sweatshirts on like prisoners. That's exactly what you're doing. So when they all rebel and leave, motherfucker, that's what you deserve. Because y'all treating them like prison. So then they're going to start acting like fucking prisoners. And I can't say that I blame them. Um, I do think it's, uh, I think it's, I, I, you know, I have mixed emotions about Logan and Shanice when it comes to Mariah, but she is 16 and they, I don't know if they intentionally picked a a girl that looks like she's fucking 11, (laughs) but they should have picked, they should have made her look more her age. Like 
I, I'm sure it's the makeup or, you know, the lack thereof in the way she dressed. She looks like a little kid. She looks like she's in middle school. Um, she's 16, and I don't, I, I can't, I don't know how other people are. Like, I feel like you're kind of like me, Christina, when it comes to raising your daughter. I'm pretty open with Derek because I feel like I want him to grow up knowing I've never told him a lie. So he needs to not lie to me. If he asks me a question, even if it's uncomfortable for me, I try to tell him as much truth as I feel like I can. Um, and that he'll understand because he is still 10. And sometimes he does have a 10-year-old mind. There are some things that he'll do and say and I fucking forget that he's only 10. But I try to be as honest as possible. And I feel like I would be like, look, right now, we don't, we don't, nobody knows anything. I do want you to meet your mom. I want you to talk to her. But right now, there's just too many questions. Um, maybe let me see her one more time and just, you know, fill it out and see what's going on. Because the thing that I would be more worried about is the fact the way they pulled up and took her. Like, that shit's concerning to me. <laughs> like, they did like some friggin' in, uh, men in black type shit. Like, I don't want you involved in that. And that's what I would have told Derek. I would have told him the truth. Like it just seems like something happened that the government doesn't want us to know. And I don't. And I and I fear that if I put you in the middle of it, something might happen to us. So let me just do what I can, and then we can revisit it later. But the fact that he goes, this is a closed discussion for now. Like you, she's 16, motherfucker. She's gonna go behind your back. And clearly that facility is pretty easy to get into because she just walked in there and was in the room. Um, I am looking forward to this next episode. Um, I can, I'm starting to get the feeling that I'm not going to like the Reverend because he's doing exactly what his baby mama told him he was going to do. Um, because even though he doesn't want to admit it, he likes the power. He likes people listening to him. He likes having word over a flock. So that's going to be an issue, and the I can't even call her the girl in the green anymore. The one with the superpowers, the ability to heal herself, she knew exactly what was going to happen, and it worries her. Um, I am looking forward to getting other people's uh, superpowers, and I am super shocked that LaDonna is from 2015. Why is she dressed like a valley girl from the 80s? I am very curious. Maybe she was going to some type of party. Um, a Halloween party, not sure, but she literally said, I should have known that she wasn't from the 80s because she kept talking about her phone. That's definitely a, um, a Gen, a Gen Z type thing. <laughs> anyway, so, um, I'll end it here. So until next time, love, peace, hair, grease, and black girl magic, queen of the couch, Mimi out. That was Mimi with her thoughts on the episode. I swear we have twinsy thoughts sometimes. <laughs> Some of the things you said was verbatim what I was saying. I'm like, twinsies. <laughs> I did laugh really hard when you said Negro spiritual. Because I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad I'm not the only one that <laughs> thought that's exactly what it sounded like. I was like, oh, come on, guys. This is a count. <laughs> I was like, that was way too much. And I'm right there with you. If I never watched Black Lightning for a show that got four seasons, all I ever heard was complaints. But yeah, I'm with you on the, they don't need to do a whole PSA. It's sort of like that girls night off where everything, girls night out where, on the flash where everything was like hashtag female power or girl power, or whatever the fuck they were trying to push on their agenda that's what it feels like what they're doing and i don't need a show with an agenda i live the agenda i don't need because <laughs> it feels like an infomercial for racist caucasians like this is what happened yeah they can look outside they can talk to some black people we don't need it to manifest itself completely and take over a show that happens to be predominantly led by black cast there are many people in the 4400 that are not not black so the focus on that issue is rather telling and yes i'm not it's what brought down this episode for me i'm not with it i worked at a catholic hospital too and they was like you don't have to be catholic to work here and i was like uh that's great because i'm not <laughs> actually they were really strict about that too they were like if anyone tries to try to convince you about something 
let us know because we don't tolerate that uh, my neighbors are just they're they're just loud right now there's nothing i can do about that <laughs> and i already got like 14 podcasts to do because i'm so behind so i'll try to get it out in editing but i apologize if you are hearing it joel olstein is who you were talking about and you know the church don't pay taxes right rakes in billions of dollars but pays absolutely no taxes crazy <laughs> religious people do tend to be the most hypocritical people in society uh i didn't make it that way uh, explain that shit to me <laughs> you're supposed to be holy we could get on the church thing but you already know how i feel <laughs> i like bildred and um hayden too i am starting to remember names uh and i do think that they have some type of like she could do she seems to have telepathy and telekinesis and he seems to have telekinesis and maybe something because he said the voices i hear them so are those dead people voices or just people voices maybe the voices of the 4400 we don't know um and yeah that's the thing about Shanice. like they're being so oh yes you escaped one it's not like like what 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 was it so out of the realm of possibility that i would have just found a door open <laughs> why did you think something had to have happened and i i i would i somehow caught up with someone and my only goal was to just go home <laughs> and see my family like all the threat jesus use some common fucking sense like anyone who's interrogating these people would clearly see by now because they have those skill set that these people don't know what the fuck happened let's move on to the next aspect of what we're going to do next this whole let's figure it out bullshit keisha keeps that's why she's so annoying i hate keisha i literally she acting like a keisha like every keisha i knew um i can't think the the actress playing the daughter mariah did look about 15 i didn't know she was 16 i guess that makes sense um but i thought she definitely looked about 15 years old and the actress herself is 20 so i didn't see her as young that's what uh, i don't know maybe <laughs> your your uh younger is younger than mine and lastly while i i mean i totally agree with you i kind of thought he said that uh logan like yeah we don't know what's going on it's not a good time not yet he didn't i mean he did say the conversation is closed for that current moment yes he should have just said well th i met with her this is what happened this is what we discussed yes he could have definitely went more into detail knowing she'd be hungry for those details and if you're not going to communicate with her well yeah she's going to go behind your back but I thought his reasoning of why I'm not bringing you to see her, I thought that was kind of clear around the same lines that you were saying that we just don't know. And worse, we get close to you again and then you fucking disappear. That would suck. Or you make our daughter disappear or I don't know. But um, yeah, I am curious to see where this show goes. Like I said, AEF, they, they, that is the critique. I get it's the hot topic everyone wants to put it in the show but there is subtle ways to do something and then there's hammering it home where it's cartoonish and that's where we are at in the cartoon section of showing the racism um yeah <laughs> that is our final thoughts on this episode i just can't believe these people are so loud upstairs so loud um i don't know why they don't kick their fucking kids out put some coats on them and make them go outside and even cold but alas uh this is what i have to deal with until i decide to get my ass up out of this building because god forbid they would move i don't i don't know how it is that's i don't want to go down this rabbit hole if you want to send feedback on the next episode black or couch at gmail.com you can leave a comment below on this podcast my social media will be there as well Remember to like, share, subscribe. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, black or magic. <laughs>